world. It's Pass First Point Guard and Trailblazers reporter Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts, and also on YouTube. Thanks for making the show your first listen. Coming at you every single weekday, Monday through Friday. So start your days with it. Make it your first listen. Tell your friends to do the same. It's Locked On Blazers, your team every day. Today's show, we're talking Brandon Roy. Back in the fold, repping the Blazers in public. He's headed to the draft lottery as Portland's a good luck charm. They're hoping for a repeat of 2007. We'll talk about that to begin the show. Then our continue our player review series looking at Matisse Thibel and Cam Reddish. We'll close out the show reviewing those two gentlemen's seasons and then looking ahead to what's next for their potential future in Portland. So, let's talk B-Roy, the natural 007. I don't think anyone ever really called him 007. I certainly didn't. But Brandon Roy, the Blazers announced today on, on Tuesday, you're listening to Wednesday, May 10th show, and the Blazers announced on Tuesday that Brandon Roy officially will be the team's representative at the draft lottery this time next week, Tuesday, when they uh, when the when the NBA sets the draft order for the first 14 picks in the draft for for the lottery. And so and thus all the picks will be determined. The Blazers fate will be determined. This is um, a big deal for a couple reasons. I think both sort of like small and big picture stuff. One, Brandon Roy hasn't really done much stuff in public for the Trailblazers. Just really hasn't been much of a public figure. Uh, there were times uh, because of the way his tenure ended, right? Like he was on track to be this multi-time all-star, a star. He was probably at his peak in that 08-09 season, like one of the 10 best players in the league. He was just really on his way and then you know by 2011 it was over for him very quickly it, it ended so fast and you know he signs this big contract he got waived and you know at, he was making 80 million dollars and they just they they waived him to go away and his career ended so unceremoniously and his and then you know he tried to stick it back and like you know re- rekindle it and couldn't it didn't work out in Minnesota it's just like a really sad end to a, a guy who had a really special but very short burned very brightly but very briefly with the Trailblazers very special resurrected them from um you know they were they were a mess for a little while and he brought them out of the darkness and made them fun again um you know they won you know, had a 54 win season in there they were they were they B Roy was the symbol of the team sort of resurrecting um I, 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 from a, a the dark ages of a brief dark ages of Blazers basketball in that middle, uh, that the middle section of the early aughts, but he hasn't really been around the team. I know some of that was because of the way that ended. He just didn't feel comfortable. Wasn't ever emotionally ready to come back to the Rose garden. And then the Moda center, I should say the Moda center, nay Rose garden. Uh, like he just, he just wasn't emotionally ready. And then I know just from my time around the team is they've invited him a couple times since, you know, the early period when he was just like, look, I don't want to make my, um, make, make my return. But in recent years, a couple times, like he's, he's been coaching college, ba- or excuse me, high school basketball in the Seattle area. And he just, he, a couple times they've invited him. He's had some conflicts where they've had basketball games and like be, been in the state tournament and he couldn't come for uh dec- when they did decades night and they did the 2010s b-roy was unavailable because of college basketball because of high school basketball excuse me oh for two trying to say that right um and then he's he just again what like another time just sort of declined because he wasn't ready to make that public appearance i i know of two specific times when he was when he was invited and wasn't able to come so i'm sure they've invited him a handful of other times when he just w- was wasn't ready so this going and be sitting at the lectern for the Blazers with the pinwheel in front of him is is the first like true public appearance where B Roy 
is repping the Blazers. And two, he was a good luck charm in 2007. This is a thing. This is like, this is what he did. So Brandon Roy was drafted in 2006. He was the rookie of the year, uh, would have been the unanimous rookie there, but shout out to Andre Bargnani for getting one, for getting one vote. Chuck Swirsky, a legend, voted for my man Bargnani, B-Roy, uh, just shy of being a unanimous rookie of the year. He was, he was great. He goes, he's in, you know, goes as the rookie of the year, goes to the lottery in 2007. The Blazers go in with the seventh best uh, odds. That's a 5.2% chance of getting the first overall pick, and they win the freaking lottery. They draft Greg Oden. No one was drafted number two in that draft. It's one really interesting, one of the few years in NBA history where no one was drafted number two in the 2007 draft. You can look it up. It's like literally no one. It's very, very curious. So the Blazers took Greg Oden number one again. No one went number two. Do not look it up. And. They, you know, they they jumped up, tiny little chance, and, and B-Roy was the good luck charm. And so the Blazers are hoping that now they jump up from with from the fifth best odds, ten and a half percent chance, and get and get a generational big man to anchor and push things forward and, and usher in a usher in the next great era. You know, um, sort of Greg Oden joke. We're not going to do Greg Oden jokes here uh, today, at least. But um, just in, in general, like cool. I think it's cool that B-Roy is is repping, and on a personal level. Brandon Roy means a lot to me as a basketball fan. Uh, I moved to Portland in 2006 when he did. And I had always been a basketball person. Uh, I grew up in a, in a great basketball community, and I was an NBA fan. Um, I loved Hakeem Olajuwon as a kid. I loved those Rockets teams as a kid. Um, shoot, I rooted for the Supersonics to beat Michael Jordan in the 96 finals. Uh, you know, I was, I, was a big, I was a big time like NBA fan, right, growing up. But I didn't love it. When I moved here in 2006, Brandon Roy made me love it. Um, I think there's a big difference in like following something closely. Like I consider myself a Rockies fan, but I don't, I'm not like um, I don't love baseball, right? Um, I love the NBA, and in some ways, Brandon Roy has allowed me to pursue a career, has set me on a path to pursue a career in basketball. Um, that has taken a couple different turns and um, I'll spare you the details, but like it, it, I owe some of my professional life to Brandon Roy rekindling or just straight up kindling my love for the National Basketball Association. His rookie year was so special. Um, and he and in those years, the, 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 his, his, his brief peak that was so, like I said, burned so bright and burned so brief, he made me fall in love with the NBA and I still love it some 17 years later. So here's, so like just on a personal level, awesome. I'm, I'm excited to see B-Roy because he means a lot to me and, and, and means a lot to, to sort of um, where I'm at as, as an adult. So Great. I'm happy to see Brandon Roy. It's cool that the Blazers are doing it. It's cool that he's ready to do this and be a public figure for the Blazers. It's um, it's it's just it's good stuff. Um, it, it is legitimately good stuff. Um, we'll see Tuesday if he brings good luck. Um, and if he does, he'll be he'll be there forever. B Roy. Every time the Blazers have uh, have are in the lottery, you'll have to go back because that will be that will be the deal. So that's the news. Uh, Blazers announced it today. Should be a bunch of fun. Check it out. Well, Tuesday, obviously, we're going to do a bunch of draft stuff here on the show once we know. We'll do a live show on uh, the NBA, Locked on NBA uh, uh, YouTube channel. Check in with, you know, getting ready for the lottery. So join me over there when it happens next week. I'll, I'll have more on that next week and, and later this week to kind of give you the details on it. But it's going to be a whole bunch of fun. It's, you know, it's like a half hour, but it's a half hour of excitement. So um, and B-Roy will be at the lectern repping. So, cool. I'm excited for it.
Second segment, let's continue our player review series. Let's talk first Matisse Thibel, then we'll close the show with Cam Reddish. Join me in that second segment. Let's let's talk about Tease. But first, I want to tell you about game time. Buying tickets should not be stressful. If you want to go to your favorite events, why not find the easy way to get tickets for sports, for music, for comedy, and for theater? Plus, killer deals on last-minute tickets and a best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you have when you use game time. It's the game time app or gametime.co. Um, you don't have to plan months in advance. Like I said, you can get tickets to day of the event deals for everything you want to go to. Plus they got the game time guarantee. That means you'll always get the best price. And if you find the same tickets in the same section or and, and row for less money, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. You'll get your money back plus a little bit of a bonus. That's the game time guarantee. Plus, you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, just two taps, and it's super, super simple. You got it right there waiting for you on your phone. So snag tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, use the code locked on NBA, and you get $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, use the redemption code locked on NBA for $20 off. Download game time today, last minute tickets lowest prices guaranteed all right so we're continuing our player preview series we've done a bunch of these um i believe we've done 10 players to date uh we started with the guys who are on the roster at the beginning of the season who are on the day opening night roster so we could revisit my preseason predictions we've exhausted those and now we're moving on to guys who joined the team mid-season and looking ahead to what's next with them so we're gonna we're gonna revisit the production of matisse thibel and cam reddish this year and then we're gonna look ahead to what's next and what their future is with the portland trailblazer so let's let us start with Tease. The Blazers acquired Matisse Thibel for a couple second-round picks. Um, a pretty good deal for someone who has been a was a two-time All Defense All Defense Second Team uh, member with the Philadelphia 76ers. And in 22 games for the Blazers, he averaged 7.4 points, 3.5 boards, 1.4 assists, and 1.7 steals. He shot 43.8% from the floor, 38.8% from three, and 62.5% from the free throw line. He played 27 minutes a night. And what really was different with Tease in Portland than it had been in uh, in Philly was that he was letting it fly from deep. Uh, one of the issues with him with the Sixers was that he had just it, it, he had just kind of um, not worn out his welcome, but like it just wasn't a fit there for him anymore. He didn't have an offensive role. His is like sort of his confidence had diminished. He didn't have. Um, he didn't have the space in their system to expand his game, and they needed to move on. Both sides need to move on. It happens in the league. And Matisse Thibel, when he got to Portland, Chauncey Billups said, shoot it, I want you to shoot it, and he did. Shot a career best, 38.8% from three. And and more importantly, 62% of his shot attempts were three-pointers. His three-point rate went up. His three-point volume went up. So he was taking more of his shots were threes. He was taking more threes. And he finished shot 38.8%. 33 of 85 across 22 games. Uh, not like crazy, crazy volume, obviously. But solid volume and solid makes. If you watch the tape, he's shooting a lot of wide open threes because even though he's shooting close to 39% from three in those 22 games in Portland, no one is treating Matisse Thibel like a shooter. Nobody's he's, he's shooting wide open three pointers, but he's making them. So it's if it is an interesting balance for people who are treated as non shooters because if they don't treat you as a shooter, if 
you don't your shot making doesn't like your the threat of shot making doesn't bend the defense and change the way um uh your teammates are guarded but like if you shoot 39% if you make 39% of your threes that's enough above the league average that like how you're defended and the fact that you do not get defensive attention starts to matter a lot less like you know like there's a break point and i think the break point is something right around that 39 percent. hey hey we're going to leave him unguarded just straight up butt naked in the in, in the in the corner but he's making 40 on nearly 40 percent of them so like the trade-off is like it, the defense hasn't been bent or or compromised but the three points go on the board, and I think if Matisse can continue to do that, that becomes, um, that becomes that has real value. In his Blazers debut, he showed his value right away. He had 14 points, six boards, blocked three shots, and hit four out of six threes in a win over the Lakers in his first game in a Blazers jersey. He had five games on the year with at least three steals. He had four games with multiple blocks, and now he enters free agency. And I think the question for Matisse Thibel is where and how does he fit with what's next? You know, he started every single game he appeared in. He played 22 games and played basically 28 minutes a night in those games. And every game he, he appeared in, um, he, uh, he, he started. He didn't play in the final uh, handful of games because of a knee injury. Unclear to me. I, like, I think that was real, but you just never know with how the Blazers were treating uh, injuries at the end of the season. Um, my, that one seemed more real than others, but truly, who knows? But you assume, you assume he's healthy, good to go, no problems, all those things. Um, you know, he'd had some knee stuff with the, the Sixers is the only reason I bring it up. So, like, you don't want um, – that's not a good – recurring knee stuff is obviously bad bad news. But Matisse is just a really good defensive player. And the Blazers, who have kind of been searching for who could be that point-of-attack guy for, I don't know, close to a decade since Wesley Matthews left, um, they may have found – someone who can be that in Matisse. He enters this summer as a restricted free agent. He was drafted as the 20th pick in the 2019 draft. He's played his four years of his rookie contract. He now enters for free agency. The Blazers can extend him a qualifying offer and make him a restricted free agent, meaning they will be able to match any offer he gets on the open market. Plus, they'll have his bird rights so they can go over the salary cap to re-sign him. All that means, like without if, if that's like too much mumbo-jumbo for you, if the Blazers want him back, they have all the mechanisms to bring him back. Uh, if, he, if they want him to be in the fold, Easy peasy, he can be in the fold. It's just a matter of press and go on the on the Sai Matisse Thibel machine. I think he should be back, especially if they don't trade Damian Lillard and they're going for it, because his defense is valuable. Great defensive playmaker. Great, you know, um, he he got some votes for all defense. Didn't make one of the teams, but was was on the was on somebody's ballot. Um, that might be like reputational, but still, like he's a, he's legitimately a very good defender. Um, he's one of the best defenders they've had in moons, like in a long time. He's a better defensive player than Wesley Matthews was. Like he's he's maybe the best defensive player they've had in since like Stacey Ogman. Like I don't know, like who's who's the last? Uh, if you're like a longtime Blazer fan, email me lockedonblazerspot at gmail.com. Who's the best like point of like legit point of attack defender that they've had? Is it old Scotty Pippen? Like I know he made an all defense team. Is it old Scotty Pippen? Is that who it is? I don't know, but but if if, if it is old Scotty Pippen, that's twenty almost twenty five years. It's a long. It's been a long time. So, like that matters. I think the I think the not getting guarded thing on defense is notable. But here's the real truth. 
that matters more in high leverage games in the playoffs in like when teams are getting game plan specific and they're loading up to guard your best players and they're will- saying we're willing to live with this and that's number four in the corner shooting we'll let Matisse Thibel shoot as much as he wants we do we legitimately do not care I mean there were times this year in the regular season where they weren't guarding Matisse in the strong side corner basically unheard of defensive principles in the NBA it's like yeah we're just not going to guard him we're going to sink into the paint and make sure that Dame has to kick out because we we're worried about zero. We're not worried about four. And Matisse shot pretty well from three. He made teams pay for the most part. But they didn't guard him. I want to be clear. They didn't guard him. He's getting open looks. Um, so he's shooting 39% on open looks. Great. That's knock him down, make them guard you eventually. I th- But I don't think that really matters too much until you get to the playoffs. I think you can be... I think you can have like some liability stuff on offense in the regular season and get away with it, particularly if you're as impactful on defense as he can be. Because if he can be the point of attack defender that I think at his peak he absolutely is capable of of being, like he's he's really good on that end, and you can you can he can guard a variety of people because he has long arms and he's quick enough. Um, he plays angles really well. He kind of baits t- guys into into throwing passes sometimes. Like hey, I'm not actually there. I'm there and makes steals. Like he's he has a really really good sense and a really good just like a really great feel on defense. Um, and it has the physical tools and sort of the energy to like the the want to to be to be an, a good defender off. Often. Um, that all that stuff matters, and the defense, the offensive liabilities matter more in the playoffs. But the Blazers just have to get to the playoffs. They need to be good in 82 games, and then worry about what's next. And if the Blazers are like, for me, Matisse Thybul should be part of the plan because he fits a specific need that they absolutely have. And I think like a role for him that I think would be great would be low minute starter. So like, uh, say he starts at nominally shooting guard, right? Um, but he plays the first seven minutes of each half and then you extend him more and when the matchup is necessary, but he plays like a guaranteed 14 minutes and then like matchup dictates whether he plays 20 or whether he just plays like 15 or 16, you know, based on the subs. Um, and then, uh, Shane Sharp plays more minutes at shooting guard, but he like soaks up the, the bench minutes. He plays a lot against backups. And so say you split those minutes, right? That would be, uh, probably too many 34 if you just do it like that but say that say uh five will plays 19 nine minutes to begin each half and he's up at uh up at 18 so that would be 30 for sharp 18 for thibault that's your shooting guard minutes like i think you can that that really works um and as sharp is ready to play more and more and more that's like penciling him for 30 right away which might even be too many but like i think he can get I think he'd be a 30 minute player pretty quickly. Um, it's just like day one. It's like, he's 20. It's, it's always a question mark, but I, I think Matisse Thibel as a low minute starter or, or just a guy who plays, you know, roughly half the game as a wing defender, really valuable. So, uh, Matisse Thibel, Shantae, you stay, um, bring him back. I I'm, I'm all in favor of it. I think he can be part of the future, particularly if they go the path where they want to be competitive because he can be that guy. And then when he gets the playoffs, it's a whole nother beast. And we'll talk about it there, but to help you win in the regular season, Thibault absolutely has the skill set to do that for the Blazers. Okay. Third segment. I want to talk about Cam Reddish. Let's close the show. Let's talk about kill cam. Join me in that third segment. Won't you still a password point guard, still Mike Richmond. Still listening to Locked On Blazers. We're still rolling through our player reviews. We talked Matisse Thibel. Let's talk Cam Reddish. Cam came over as part of the Josh Hart trade. The Blazers sent Josh Hart to the New York Knicks in exchange for Cameron Reddish. 
and a uh, lottery protected first round pick from New York that ends up being the 23rd pick in the 2023 draft. A nice little trade for the Blazers because if nothing else, Josh Hart for a first round pick is um, pretty good value. I mean, I'm a big Josh Hart fan. He's good and he can help good teams win. The Blazers eventually, the next iteration, will wish they had some version of Josh Hart because he helps good teams win. But um, a first-round pick and a flyer on Cam Reddish. And the flyer on Cam Reddish is kind of, in some ways, in the eyes of the beholder, in my humble opinion. Because when Reddish was good, he was good. And when he wasn't good, he wasn't. But first, his stats. He averaged 11 points, 2.9 boards, 1.9 assists, shot 44.3% from the floor, 31.8% from three, 83% from the free-throw line across 20 games, including 12 starts, and played 27.6 minutes a night for the Trailblazers after coming over in the trade. In his third game in a Blazer uniform, he had 18 points in the Blazers' final game heading into the All-Star break, a loss to the Washington Wizards. Coming right out of the All-Star break, he had 24 points against the Sacramento Kings in a game that Damian Lillard and Jeremy Grant did not play because of a, a, a snow. They got they got, there was too much snow and they had to sit out. Um, they were tanking, guys. They were that's what was happening, y'all. They were losing on purpose and they were just kind of doing it sly. And then they did it for real, but that was the beginning of it. And Cam Reddish in that game had 24 points in a, a double-digit loss to the Sacramento Kings from February 28th to March 12th, eight consecutive games to end February and begin March. Cam Reddish scored in double figures. Every single one of those games, eight consecutive games in double figures. And during that stretch, he thought he shot 36% from three. And that's really the thing with, for me with Reddish. Over his first 12 games with the Blazers, he played 20 games in Portland. Over his first 12 games with the Blazers, he shot 38% from three, 26 for 68, 38% from three. He closed the season over his final eight games, two of 20 from three. So the way he closed kind of leaves a sour taste in your mouth. And I think two notable games is like he scored four points twice in the post, the post tanking era. No Dame, no Ant, no Nurk, no Jeremy Grant, Cam Reddish and, and Shaden Sharp. That was the time that you want to see Cam Reddish say, say, take the reins and be that guy, be, be someone who's like, um, if nothing else, like it's like a high volume, um, Go for it, fella. And instead, he was invisible in those games, and that is my worry with Reddish. It's not. It's not that he isn't good. I think his highs are 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 really special. He's six eight. He is, as I've said a lot of times, uh, it's a classic classic Mike Richmond. For if you have been listening to the show for a long time, he is shaped like an NBA player. Dude looks like an NBA player. He is, you know, six eight. He can move. He can handle. Um, not a great passer, but capable of passing. He can finish around the rim with both hands. Um, his jump shot doesn't go in very often, but there was a stretch for the with the Blazers, like I said, when his first first little stretch with the Blazers, where he's shooting above league average from three for a brief run. Um, it looks good when it goes in. He's got the tools. He's a competitive defender because he's long and works hard. And then there's games where he just doesn't exist. And to say Cam Reddish is inconsistent is to say that he's just not very good. That consistency is what is what separates good like bench players from starters, starters from stars in the league. Consistency, the ability to do it every night is what separates good players from not very good players. And so Cam Reddish is He's not just searching for consistency. Like, that's what his whole career has been, is that he's shown flashes it's like in Atlanta. Okay, this is like a young guy who can really defend. And, and and then it didn't work out. He gets traded to the Knicks, kind of just completely fell out of the rotation there and wasn't getting any playing time. Gets traded to the Blazers. Has these moments where you're like, Cam Reddish can go. Like, Cam Reddish can play. This dude can play. And there's moments where it's like, did Cam Reddish play tonight? And consistency is just, it is um, like... I don't like to say like this dude's inconsistent. 
inconsistent is just the name of the game for players who aren't good yet because good players are consistent. Um, I think inconsistency is more like streaky shooting as opposed to like there are nights when Cam Reddish isn't good and there's nights when he's good and that's kind of the nature of, of folks trying to find their way in the league. He's still trying to find it. So what's next for Cam Reddish? Because, and, and let me like, if you haven't like picked up on it here, I'll just put my cards on the table. I'm not really a Cam Reddish believer. I was pretty low on him prior to... Um, prior to him joining the Blazers. And there was a brief period where I was like, hey, he can, maybe he can get there. And I, I left at the end of the season, I became um, pretty skeptical of him being like a high level impact player on a good team. And that's kind of how I, how I landed with him. If the Blazers go young, Cam Reddish should absolutely be part of it because what Cam needs is space to grow. He needs space to grow. He needs like Give him 25 minutes a night. Give him a, a, spe, a, a specified role. Hey, you're going to play 25 minutes a night. You can play 22 minutes a night. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to come off the bench. Or you're going to start, and we're going to need you to score. We need you to defend. Like, here is exactly what you need every night. Here's the minutes you can expect. Go for it. And let him make mistakes. Let him grow. Let him find that consistency, right? Like, that's let him grow into someone who says, I can do this for sure. And that's, I think, my problem with Cam Reddish is that Matisse Thibault has a bankable skill. He's a high-level NBA defender. I don't think Cam Reddish right now has a bankable skill other than looking like an NBA player. I was pretty low on him. I know where he went to college. I know where I grew up. Uh, there are certain, obviously, bias at play, but like I, I feel how I feel, and I want to put my cards on the table. If the Blazers go young, though, give them that freaking space. Give them that space. If they don't go young, which I don't think they will, if they build this team around Damian Lord and veterans, I am not in favor um, of, of Cam Reddish coming back because he needs space to grow. And like, I would rather have that uh, spot on the roster go to someone who I think has like a bankable NBA skill. Okay, this dude can definitely shoot it. Can't do anything else, but can definitely shoot it. Can't do anything else, but can rebound. That type of thing. Like a bankable skill. Let's build out of the one one strength you definitely have and then go from there. Cam Reddish is so inconsistent with or so just like kind of searching for it with all of his sort of skills. He puts it together for short stretches and then it fades away. It's like, if they go young, go for it. If they don't go young, which I don't think they're going to, if they build this build this thing back around Damian Lillard, Cam Reddish sashay away i mean that's that's just that's the real truth um the, i don't think like if he does come back like i'm not gonna like kill them or like or like boo or anything or be upset like i don't like um i just like i don't um like i don't think if cam reddish was like the 12th man or the, the 10th or 11th guy back half of the rotation and didn't have to play every single night no matter what um, it wouldn't be that big of a problem, but if you're trying to build a really good team, um, I think there, I think you, I'd re you'd rather have higher upside guys in the very back half of the rotation or more bankable skills in the in the front half of that bench rotation. And Cam Reddish, to me, doesn't fit either of those boxes. But again, if he goes young, Shantae, you stay. Like let's let's make it happen. Though that is the player reviews. That's Matisse Thybulle. That's Cam Reddish, and we get excited about B-Roy. It's a fun show. Tomorrow's show. Come back. It's going to be a whole bunch of fun. That is Thursday, May 11th show. That is going to be our listener summit where three Locked On Blazers regular listeners are going to join me and we're going to talk about the Blazers offseason. Friday show, we're talking G League with my friend Kevin Dana, of uh, who works for the Santa Cruz Warriors and has worked in the G League for many, many moons and also calls a whole bunch of uh, games. You probably heard him on the NBA app ca calling Victor Wimbanyama games. You're not going to want to miss those shows. Come back the rest of the week. It's what we do five days a week wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Make it your first listen. Tell your friends to do the same. I appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon.